I am Road Short, an academic, activist, occasional artist, and white queer trans woman whose pronouns are she, her. I also love sports, and I skate for Omaha Roller Derby. This is Most Valuable Teammates, a totally trans network podcast, where I talk to trans athletes about what they love to do and watch, and what they get from competition and play. I am really excited about my guest this week, so without further ado, who the heck are you? My name is Andrea Yearwood. Um, a black trans woman, um, also trans activist, an advocate, former high school athlete as well. Pronouns she, her, and some sports that, in high school, the sports that I did play were my freshman year of high school, I did cheerleading for the fall, and then come the spring of freshman year, until I graduated, I focused on track and ran track all throughout high school. Great. And you, uh, you were a sprinter, and then, did you do a field event too? Yeah, I mainly focused on sprinting, but I did compete in like all the jumping events, so long jump, triple jump, and high jump. Very cool. Yeah, that's great. And that was up in Connecticut. I'm going to stop just clarifying yeah. my notes because I have notes, so I know these things. We'll get to these things. So I'm, yes, I'm really happy to have you here on the podcast. Um, do you want to start a little bit by just talking about like where you're from and how you ended up running track in Connecticut? Mm-hmm. So. I was born in Georgia, Atlanta, and then I kind of moved around a little bit. And then we, my family and I kind of settled in Connecticut. And my family is a big sports family. Like, everyone in my family did sports. Dad, mom, very athletic. All my siblings, all do sports. So in the beginning, or like before my transition, I played sports mainly on the, on the boys team. And in middle school, I did track. That's when I like first got into track. And I did track on the boys' team for 7th and 8th grade. And then high school, well, my transition started in, like, around 7th grade, but not really publicly. It was just more, like, cross-dressing, and that's kind of it. And then in high school, I knew I wanted to take my transition more seriously. But I knew that I still wanted to continue sports, and I still wanted to continue track. So in the summer before my freshman year of high school, I had, like, an intra-meeting with like the principal, vice principal, athletic director, um, therapist, my parents, just like a meeting to kind of figure out how these next four years of high school were going to look like for me and like how the administration was going to address me, locker room situation, bathroom, sports situation, kind of all that in one meeting. And that went very well. They were kind of like, they were very supportive of me being trans and me, and they said that which I'm very thankful for, but they said that if you're going to transition in school, you have to do it as, you have to do the same in athletics as well. Like you can't present as a female during the school day and then go do track on the boys team, right? You have to like, those two things have to coincide. And I'm like, okay, like fine by me, right? I would, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. So I was very happy about that. And since that meeting, I was able to do cheerleading and then do track on the girls team and in my immediate community. So in my school, like the peers that I ran with, administration, even the community within my small town of Cromwell, everybody was very supportive, right? Everybody like treated me as, as any other person on the team. Um, yeah, like nothing really bad happened, at least in my immediate community. And the backlash came outside of that in the media 
um, the parents of the girls that I was running against in the track meet and like that had an issue. But I was very fortunate and very lucky to have my immediate community of people that I was around every day be very supportive of me. And yeah, really accepted me for who I was. Just trying to eat my headphones. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why are you like this? Uh, it is. It is the clam is eating my headphones for the listeners. Yes. If there's any weird sounds, I am sorry. She is a menace. This is. If if I don't know if you've ever listened to totally trans between clam and then Henry's dog Charlie, there's just always some animal mm. interrupting a recording. So. Uh, sorry about that. Um, no, you're good. So you just, did you do anything in elementary school before getting involved in cheerleading and track? Like any of the little kiddo sports, like t-ball, uh, mm. soccer, any of those ones? Yes. I actually, I used to, so when I was really young, I did soccer. Um, I did soccer. I cheerleaded in like the little kids cheerleading the only boy on the team, but again, like very supportive. Cromwell, I think, is pretty supportive. They were, in my experience, they're pretty supportive. So, like even when I was younger, right, nothing really happened. I was able to cheer with the girls, and I mean, it was fine. So I did cheerleading, soccer. I danced, like I did ballet, lyrical dance for a little bit. I played football one year because I was kind of bored. I was like, why not? <laughs> you know, let's do football. How'd that Didn't go? really enjoy it that much. <laughs> Didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, again, everybody was very supportive, but I didn't really like it. All that, I don't know, hitting it, no, I'm, I wasn't, I'm good off that. But no, I did football. Um, and then, yeah, that was kind of it. Just those folks when I was younger. So you were like a pretty active kiddo, even before yeah. you started to like really <laughs> buckle down and be like, these are my focuses, cheerleading mm-hmm. and track and field, which I think is like a pretty, a like a pretty universal experience with a lot of people who end up mm. in athletic stuff. Oh, I was going to say, like, yeah, they kind of do it a majority of their life. Like, they do it throughout their childhood and continue it through high school and college. But yeah, no, that's true. I didn't know you used to be a cheerleader. For our listeners who maybe don't understand cheerleading as athleticism, can you explain that a bit? Because I, I'm i very aware that, like, wow, that is a lot of stuff. That's, like, muscle groups I don't even think I have on my body. <laughs> um... Yeah. yeah. So um, do you want to talk about what that entailed? Yeah. Uh, so I remember when I was younger, I, because I was kind of tall or tall on my team, I was mainly like a back spotter. So for context, that's like when people were doing stunts, a back spotter is one like in the back, standing, kind of holding the flyer to the person that goes up in the air. We're kind of holding them, making sure that nothing happens on the back side if they were to fall backwards or anything right there to catch them. So that was mainly what I did. Um, when I was younger. And then I also did a little tumbling when I was younger as well. So I forgot to mention that. But I did do tumbling. And in my freshman year, that was kind of what I focused on a little bit more was the tumbling. So I would like do back, back flips, back handsprings, all that. Um, was still a back spot, but I really enjoyed the tumbling more than just standing and holding someone up. I thought tumbling was a lot more fun. Um, well, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's very, that's very much athleticism. A lot of people I know can kind of discard that or whatever cheerleading. But no, I mean, you have to use, again, like a lot of muscle to hold these girls up, right? A lot of muscle to do these tumblings that a lot of people, like a lot of, most people can't really do. 
So now there is a lot of athleticism and muscle use that goes going into cheerleading. Yeah. What drew you to cheerleading and track and field? And what, like, what were the things that made that something you wanted to like pursue and continue doing? Uh, especially in, in a way to like prioritize it to be like as part of my transition. This is a mm. thing that's going to be important to me is being able to like and still do these sports. I think really the camaraderie that I found within sport, especially again within cheerleading and in track. Um, a lot of my teammates were very, I mean, they were just very, again, like very supportive of me. And I mean, just didn't really, they made sure not to kind of ostracize me and be like, oh, that's a trans athlete. You know, we're not going to really mess with her too much. But no, like they were very accepting. Um, and I think out of all the sports I had done throughout my childhood, track and shooting, but mainly track, which is why I stuck with it throughout high school. I think I really found like my group of friends and those girls, I girls and boys, but mainly girls that I ran track with. I don't know. They were just, just really made it a point to not, to not bring in what I dealt with outside of my immediate community, like all the bigotry, all the kind of discrimination. They made sure to keep that out there, right? And not bring that into practice, not bring that into the school. Like, I think that was a really big thing that they just made me feel like one of them. Like I wasn't like something other than, and I think that's what really made me like continue with track because of how my, not even just the students that I ran with, but also my coaches. And I mean, I can't thank them enough about how outspoken they were about me being on the team and how supportive they were in ways that they didn't even have to be, right? They could have just been like, oh, okay, we'll let, you on the t- we'll let you be on the team and let that, let that be that. But the head coach, I mean, he was even, he, he took it upon him, took the initiative to be in a documentary that I was in, right? And like what, like most coaches, I feel like wouldn't do that. They might be like, oh no, like I'm good. You know, I don't really want to be in the spotlight, but he didn't really care. Not that he didn't care, but he put, I guess, my feeling and my comfortability before his own. And I, I really appreciate and admire that about him. And I think that's why I wanted, I stayed in track because of how the people on the team made me feel. Right. And I don't think that, say, for example, obviously if I, if I was in a, if I did track on a team that again wasn't, wasn't as supportive, or did it make me feel like I was one of them, then like I don't think I would have stayed in this work. But because of my teammates, because of my friends that I've made through chat, it made me want to continue running. And I, again, I thank them all the time for, for all the for all the sport that they've shown me. That's really awesome. How? Yeah. I think a lot of people especially as we get older, which I'm, I'm very old. You're still a baby. You're so young. <laughs> uh, but I think as people grow, they kind of forget how much of an impact a good coach can have on mm. a student athlete, not just on the field, but off the field. So how, what are ways that you think uh, just working with a coach helped you become a better you? Mm. 
I think, I mean, kind of as I mentioned before, really, for those, I think that you care about, kind of, sometimes you have to, like, put your own feelings in your own, I guess, I guess, comfortability aside in order to make those that you're supporting and make those that are in your life, like, feel more accepted and to really show that you're there for them. Because, I mean, like I said, that was one of the reasons, that was one of the ways that my coaches showed up for me. And not just for me, but I think also, like, for the trans community as a whole. Um, like, they were in the documentary. They spoke out, even at track meets, when, like, there'd be cameras and, like, microphones in my face and stuff like that. My coaches made sure to put my mental health and my, I think really just my feelings first. Because I remember like a lot of the times at track meets, my coach name is Coach Calhoun. And he would sometimes, if the media became too much at track meets or if it was like too overwhelming for me, he would even like tell the interviewers, right? Inter- or into interviewers, um, to like, you know, kind of back off and like, you know, to, she's not ready right now. She's focused on her race right now. Like, leave her be. And again, I really do appreciate that. Cause I mean, he could have been like, oh, I don't care. Like, this stuff can do with me, right? Like, you know, if these interviews want to interview you, like, that, that's your problem, right? But no, I think he took initiative to go out of his way to like talk to them. Again, even when he didn't have to, or like even, I know that he wasn't very, or in the beginning, he may not have been as educated on the trans community, but because I was a trans athlete and I was on his team, he took it again upon himself to educate himself and to really speak out about trans issues, even if it was only in the context of like me being on the team. Um, again, I still do appreciate him even doing that because again, a lot of coaches could have been like, oh, whatever, like that's, you know, all that media stuff is on you. Like I don't, need, I don't need to be involved in that, but I think him being involved and even my, uh, my teammates as well. Um, they, I remember one time, not even one time, multiple times, there was a documentary that I was doing and the documentary had asked if my teammates could be in it. And I was kind of hesitant to ask them because, you know, not everyone wants to be in the media's eye, right? That's not something, that's not really pretty normal for a lot of high school kids. I didn't want to put them in a position where they might be uncomfortable or anything like that. But they were immediately like, oh yeah, Andre, we want to do it, right? We want to be in the interview with you. We want to be there talking about this issue with you because we care about you and because you're a t- another teammate on our team. And I do really appreciate their, just them taking initiative to do that and to speak out about things that they maybe they didn't even know a lot about. But because I was their friend, they, again, took it upon themselves to talk about it and to really be pretty open about their, their own experience with me being on the team and things like that. So no, I really appreciate that. And I think it taught me to really do the same for, do what they did for the people in my life, right? Even if I'm uncomfortable doing something, even if if I'm not as well versed in a certain topic, but that topic is very important to someone in my life, that I should still be there for that person. I should still advocate for that person, regardless, again, of how much I know about about that topic, because, I mean, that person's important to me. So their identity and their comfortability, their happiness is important to me. 
And yeah, I think they really did. They did a great job to do that. And really quick, what was the name of that documentary? The uh, Changing the Game. Yeah, that's on Hulu. Um, and then there was another one with Nike, but it didn't end up coming out. But Changing the Game is a big one that they were in as well. Yeah, which is a great movie if any of the listeners haven't seen it. I'd highly recommend chasing it down. Uh, I think it won a GLAAD award, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and was Emmy not, did it, I don't know if it won the Emmy. It was nominated it, for an Emmy, it, do you know? It was nominated, but it didn't win, but it was still okay. nominated for an Emmy. Well, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That is very cool. Um, so are there any sports that you really enjoy watching? Is that a thing that brings you joy as well? Or what are you, um, what sports do you like to watch? What are you a fan of? <laughs> okay, really only track. <laughs> um, I watch like collegiate track and then like the Olympics or like um professional track, um with like the Diamond League meets or like the NCAA championships or like even like the SECs, AC, a- ACC, Big East, Big Ten, Big Twelve. I watch all of that. Um, and sometimes it makes me be like, oh, like sometimes watching it. Like dang, like it would have been, it would be, it would be great to be in those, that position, right? It'd be great. So do clean the track sometimes, but I think I do get kind of more joy out of watching it and like watching it on YouTube and stuff like that. And I mean, my dream would be like to even go to, like go to them in like real life, and be able to sit in, like the stands of either, I mean, whether it be a collegiate meet or professional meet. I think that'd be really cool. But no, I really do enjoy watching track. That's really good. What are what are the things? That you, you get from that, like what? Why? Why do you enjoy watching track so much? What makes that like a fun, valuable experience for you? I think because I can relate to it. Because I mean, obviously, because I did track in high school. I mean, like I know what they're doing. I know what the one hundred is, know what the two hundred is. I know like the times to look for in those events. And I mean, it's, if if I were to like watch football, like it wouldn't be as interesting because I don't always love football. Right. So I just think having ran track, um, I guess it really allows me to kind of connect with the athletes. Does that make sense? And yeah. to just really like to know the terminology and to know what's going on. And I think I, I think I really appreciate it. And also it makes me, oh, and even like if I like watch a sport and something happens, um, at the, like for example, There'll be a race and like someone will fall down and right? someone will go back and like the person like goes up with them. Or even at the end of races, um, no matter what place the athletes finish in, they're always there to kind of congratulate each other and be like, Oh, good job, or like, Oh, you did well on this. And I think that just takes me back to my experience in track, specifically like with my teammates. And it reminds me about how I think how, uh, how, like, oh, the sportsmanship within track. And I don't know, it's kind of like you miss it a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I think sportsmanship is such an important thing. I, mm. I think, like, regardless of what you're playing, whether it's uh, just for a pickup game, recreation, like, some sort of intense competition, I think what really is the through for thread for like everything from like cheerleading to track to baseball to dog sledding is like sportsmanship and just like trying your best. Right. And that's such a big thing in track, especially because 
while you are at like a specific meet racing against your like the people in your heat you're racing against yourself right it's always just being yeah. like how do i do better than last time and like push myself a little more and grow and i think that's just the coolest shit yeah um especially because track is such an i don't want to say it's i think it can be a very individual sport Right, because as you said, you're really only racing against your own time, right? Um, but at the same time, even though you are racing kind of against yourself, again, there is that sense of community within the people that you're running against because you're all still kind of running for the same goal. You're all running um, to get first place, and I think that's really cool too. Yeah, like the duality of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's that's a very very cool observation. Are there, like, track stars you follow that you're, like, really excited about? Do you have, a, like, a favorite athlete? So even though I don't run I don't run this event, I like Sydney McLaughlin. She runs the 400-meter hurdles, and she's the best, currently the best at it, um, and maybe in history. But she's very, very good at it. And I, I, got to, I got to meet her, actually, a few years ago. That was really cool. Um, I like another athlete named Athing Mo. She's she's around my age, or she is my age. Actually, probably younger. She's younger than me. But again, like, very talented. She wants 800 meter dash. Or 800 meter, not dash, 800 meters. And again, very good at it, very talented. Um, and then, I also like, um, Dalila Muhammad, who also runs in the 400 meter hurdles. And Sid McLaughlin and Dalila are like, kind of head in head within the event. What is it about the 400-meter hurdles? Cause since that's not an event that you ran, as far as I know. What, yeah, no. What, makes you, <laughs> what draws you to that? Because that's like a really interesting thing to be like, I have multiple people I am obsessed <laughs> with that do this very specific track event. I think, I think the difficulty of the event, I mean, like, all the events are pretty difficult, but track, I mean, the 400 the 400 is a dash, but again, it's not as short as like the 100 or the 200, but also not as long as the 8 or the mile or the 600. So it's kind of in the middle. And you, I guess it sometimes it came like an all-out sprint, but I feel like there's a lot of strategy to be put in that event. And I don't know, I just think the difficulty of it. And then again, the 400 flat is harder than, it's harder than itself. But then to add hurdles on top of that to make it even harder. And like to see the times that they run, like 49 seconds when girls in the 400 flat don't get to 49 seconds or don't even get under 50. So I think to see that and be like, wow, like that takes, I mean, that takes talent, that takes hard work, dedication. I think seeing that is really dope. Um, That's really cool. And I kind of, I don't know, I like the 400 meters. Not the hurdles, but I like the 400 meters. I did it a little bit towards the end of my um, track career. And I feel like if I, like, if COVID didn't happen, I think I would, like, try to continue pursuing the 400 meters. But I don't know, I just like the event just because of it's not a full out. Like, it's not as short of a sprint as a one or the two, but also it isn't as long as the eight or the six. So I kind of like it, like, being in the middle, if that makes sense. Yeah, I hadn't actually... You that that you just connected a dot in my head that I had not considered <laughs> is that because you're a sophomore now, so you would have been a a junior in twenty twenty. 
Well, I'm a junior now, so I was a senior. You're a junior now. Okay. Yeah. So you were, so you're a senior then. Okay. So that's, that's not as bad then. Well, it still sucks. Yeah. I feel like it's, (laughs) but it's like one year of high school versus like multiple years of high school, because I work with college students. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, that's led to some weirdos. I also work in like a computing college which also uh, just makes them weirdos they're just weird <laughs> kids. but they're now weird kids who didn't interact with another human for two years so uh, what what yeah, was that like as a student and then going to college and then were you in when when did you go to buenos aires you're just there this term or yeah like i'm here for the fall semester okay and then... so you were back in at nccu last spring yeah yeah last spring how was that? Um, I mean, it was okay. I mean, it was pretty, I don't know. I mean, a lot of our classes were in person for the most part. So it wasn't as isolating because like, we were, like it was pretty, I don't say back to normal, but normal, normalcy was like coming and it was like being shown in, in the school. So I mean, I don't want to say it was that bad, but I'm trying to think. But my freshman year, which is when, like, all classes were online and everything, um, it was kind of weird, I think. And even my senior year of high school, being in person and all of a sudden going home and, like, not having school anymore and having all the classes online, it was kind of weird. Um, but I don't know. I guess, yeah, it was kind of weird, kind of isolating because, I mean, we weren't really able to see anybody. We weren't able to really go to school. Weren't able to run track, which really sucked. Um, yeah. was, sports were kind of discontinued um, for that point, um, which I mean, yeah, it sucks. But I mean, I wanted to study track, but my senior year got kind of um, cut short. But yeah, I can kind of just live with it, live and learn. I don't know, you get used yeah. to it. Um, well, you're at NCCU, is yeah. your school North North yeah. Carolina Central University? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's where I go to school. But I left my why, home institution, yeah. Why, why NCCU? What are you studying? What are you doing there? What's Because um, okay. you're not from there. <laughs> why no. not? <laughs> so, um, well, okay. I, in college, in like majority of my life, um, I lived in a kind of like a pretty predominantly white institution, white community. Um, at school, pretty predominantly white. Elementary, middle school, high school. Telling me Connecticut is is not a bastion of diversity? What? Right? (laughs) Right? So, I mean, not honestly, I was over it. I I was tired of it. And I knew that HBC, because my mother had gone to an HBCU. And I knew that HBCU just said they were a thing. And I knew, okay, all right, so I want to go to HBCU. And I knew that, and in high school, and in middle school, I was pretty good at Spanish. And so I knew I wanted to go to HBCU. Spanish major and out of Connecticut. Those are like my three main, I guess, criteria for the school. And to keep it, in all honesty, I, my dream school was Howard University. Um, but I didn't get into Howard. So because I didn't get into Howard, I was like, okay, like NCCU is next up. And so I went to NCCU. But I am, again, obviously Canada went to NCCU. Um, I know I met a lot of friends there, met a lot of people there. The staff is great. Um, my experience there and being a black 
trans woman for the most part has been very positive. Like nothing's really happened within school. So I don't like, I don't regret coming to NCCU. I think I, I don't know, I'm very glad I came here. And I mean, it's away from home. So <laughs> I was pretty happy about that. Well, and you're really far away from home. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, How's that going? Are you finding community there? Like friends and community in Buenos Aires? Um, yeah. So, so I guess to add more authentication, I go to, so NYU has campuses around the world. And so I mm-hmm. go to school at NYU in Buenos Aires. So the students at NYU, Buenos, there's like 50 of us, I think. And yeah, I'm definitely finding community. Well, trying to find community and then I am finding community but it's kind of hard because I'm the only student that isn't from NYU like all the other kids are NYU New York so like they all have that in common and like some of them know each other from school and so it's been a little difficult to like integrate myself into the kids and like integrate myself with the kids but I mean they're all nice all very supportive um I haven't really made too much friends out like within the city, like, people from Argentina and Buenos Aires. I haven't done that too, too much, but hopefully within the next coming months, I'll be able to, like, make more friends as she stay here and that are from Argentina and can, like, show me around the country and even the city. But, yeah, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to branch out and like, talk to you more at school. Yeah. And did I see your... um your school's student governor DEI chair was that last year? Or is that still a thing? Um, I'm yeah, a, I'm a chair of a faculty DEI committee, so oh. I I saw that and I was like, oh, that's neat. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. For so each um grade, like so, freshman, junior, sophomore, they each have their own like student government or student council. Is what it's called. And so yeah. Um. I put it, uh, I was the DEI chair for the sophomore class council. Um, and I what did we do? I, I think we held a few events, kind of like, um, volunteer events for our class, but we didn't really get to do a whole lot of what we wanted to just cause like there were some issues with, um, like getting approval for things. And then because like we may not have gotten approval. Like things took too long. I think the semester kind of got away from us and we weren't able to do as much as we wanted to. But I still kind of like try to, again, like promote DEI and, um, I guess, I don't know, try to get or try to create more of like a sense of community within our class because again, we're like the, I don't know, people like call it like the COVID class or whatever. So I feel like my class with you is kind of, isolated not isolated divided i think and like there are kind of like a lot of clicks within my class at mccu so we try to like make events to kind of like bring them together um but yeah i do want to like do more work within that when i go back to school um but yeah and like we've held meetings like i remember we had one meeting um in collaboration with the at the like overarching that dei committee like the one like that actually has like um administration in it we had like a meeting with them 
about kind of like discussing what things we could do to improve the school and especially around like inclusion. Um, but yeah, that's kind of um, an overview of what I mean, do at school. Yeah, that's really cool yeah. and really impressive. <laughs> um, so you, you, frankly, as like a professor sitting, I am a professor. <laughs> I don't know if you know oh, that. Uh, that's cool. You're like a very impressive student who is doing all this cool stuff, <laughs> traveling the world to pursue your studies. Yeah, just kicking ass. Generally kicking Thank ass. You. So first of all, like applaud yourself just a little. And Thank then uh, also, do you think being a student athlete contributed to that at all? Like this like can do attitude, this just go at it, do the thing, go to Buenos Aires. Um, I think so. Well, I think specifically in my experience, because I dealt with like all this, the bullshit that I dealt with, um, in high school. And because, because I was in an environment which I was able to continue to run track and the, that the adversity that I did experience didn't hinder me from participating in track. I think that definitely helped for me to be like, okay, right, if I can still run track and have all these people have petitions, have lawsuits coming on about me, have all these articles, people like literally there was a YouTube video I remember when I freshman year of high school titled How to Get Andrea Yearwood to Stop Running for the Next Four Years. But because I still ran for the next four years, like that YouTube video didn't do anything. I think because of that experience, I agree. I think that kind of made my mindset I think I maybe had like a kind of like, yeah, I can do attitude and like, okay, because I could do all that and I'm fine. Like, why can't I go to Buenos Aires and study abroad, right? Even as a black trans woman, if I was able to endure all of that and still be fine, then I think I'll be, I think I'll be okay for Buenos Aires. But no, yeah, I definitely agree. My experience in track and in high school did contribute to kind of, yeah, I guess I can do attitude. Yeah. I never really thought about that, but yeah, no, I think it did contribute more than I think it did. Do you think you would encourage other girls who were in the position you were in six, six years six years ago? Five, four yeah. years ago? Five, six, eight? Around ten, there. Around there. Some, somewhere. <laughs> uh, to, to do sports and to advocate for themselves to be able to do sports? Yes. But I do want to add... Okay, so... I know that the situation that I was in was a very privileged situation. And I wouldn't always, yes, always advocate for yourself and always advocate for the rights that you know you deserve. But if you are in a situation that, you know, might not be as supportive, right? Or might not be, it might not have a great support system. I wouldn't want to tell you like to go, to go advocate to, to do all the stuff. And it might bring more backlash. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? The adults should be the ones advocating for you yes, and make it safe yeah. for you to be able to. That's yeah. very true. It's the, the old people. True. It's our job <laughs> to make it safe for you to be like, I would like to do a sport. And yeah. and us be like, okay, we will go tell the press, like, no, leave, leave these babies alone. They are children. Yeah. Fuck off. Let them do their sport. Let her run. Let that kiddo over there go play. I don't. I football. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my brain just but, blanked on other sports. Uh, <laughs> but no, I definitely. Like, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, advocate yourself. Go do all this advocacy if you're not in an environment 
that safe for that, right? Like I wouldn't want you to put yourself in more danger than you're already in. But I mean, if you if you feel that you're able to take on that, because I mean, it was enough to take on. I don't think. I think because again, I was in such a supportive environment that I was able to focus on my sport and then also advocate for myself and do so simultaneously without it being such a burden on me. But if you know, trans youth do feel like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this or I'm trying too much, right? Don't put yourself in that position. And then like your mental health could decline or you might be putting yourself in a worse situation than you were previously. So I think really just kind of first like assess the situation, assess the environment that you're in. And then if you feel that, you know, you're in an environment in which you're able to advocate, in which people around you are there to support you, then I think, yeah, I mean, go ahead and go advocate yourself, right? Go get the rights that you know you deserve, go get those rights. Because, um, I mean, you deserve them, but I don't know. Just be cautious about it as well. Yeah. Um, as an irresponsible adult, I would <laughs> say, be slightly less cautious than you think you need to be kiddos mm, out there okay. who are listening. And at parents who are out there listening, because I know we actually have a lot of parents of trans kiddos that listen to this. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Fight like hell for your kiddos so that they feel like they can yeah. demand to be included in their sports without that being unsafe because yeah. that is important. And uh, yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite sports moments from track or from cheerleading that you like think about sometimes? And you're like, that was fucking awesome. Either something like <laughs> you saw someone do while you were there competing or that you did where you're like that, that was amazing. Like top, top life moments. <laughs> Um, okay, I think, okay, one thing that I guess I'm pretty proud of in track was, though I didn't do well at the event, um, I qualified for national, um, and to my knowledge, I was the first, like, openly trans athlete to do so, so that was really cool, and, I mean, being at such kind of, like, being at such an elite level, it being in high school and also being a trans athlete and then also had kind of having all that adversity that I was going through in high school, but still being able to participate in track. I mean, participate at nationals and even in New England's and at such high level meets and then going through what I was going through. I think that was pretty cool to be. And I remember like even going to the nationals is located in New York at the armory and even like going there. And like being there and seeing like all these athletes that like I saw on the internet and stuff like that, like it was really cool to be in that space, knowing that like you know I'm a trans athlete and like I'm, not a lot of trans athletes are at this level. Not a lot like due to you know the, the discrimination that we've dealt with and like the rules and regulations that don't allow us to run, right? And I just felt very lucky and just very privileged to be in that space as a trans athlete knowing that a lot of trans athletes, you know, may not be able to be here. Because, like, yeah. even um, my friend Terry, who I was running against, she even qualified, but wasn't able to go because of things, like, that happened on her end. But me being able to go, again, just made me realize, again, like, how privileged I am and how lucky I was to be in that space. Um, and then also, like, oh, okay, that... And I think what was also really cool was in freshman year, I was state champion. So that was really cool to be state champion, like the first time running track. That was cool. Um, and like even going to New England as a freshman, 
that was really cool. And placing third at Nunez, that was cool. Um, but yeah, I think that was really cool. So just generally kicking ass and being good <laughs> at what you do. That's just yeah. just overall, just being amazing. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, I yeah. Guess. yeah. Yeah. But then also I think apart from track, like track has afforded me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten if I quit track. Right? Like mm-hmm. being able to speak out about my experience, speak out with companies like Disney or the CNN or um like glad or glisten like just speaking out with those organizations and meeting so many people in such honorable um like in such honorable positions in the trans community in the lgbt community and advocacy i thought i mean i'm i think that's really cool too and again like as a high school student being able to do all this and in all honesty like, freshman year like i just wanted to be on track like, that's really all I wanted to do. I wanted to, that's all I really wanted to do. But not having any idea that it would lead to all of this. And I think that, especially because, again, like kind of with Terry, we were kind of both thrust into the spotlight. And with her, she did a few like advocacy things here and there, a few interviews here and there, but she wasn't as I guess vocal as I was, if that makes sense. Like she more so like did track and like focused on her track on her running things like that. Um and like I feel like I could have went that route as well. I'm like, no, I don't want to do any I mean because like I just want to be an athlete and worry about that. But I think I'm like I guess proud of myself that I did continue to look at advocacy and what and didn't let it didn't let the adversity get to me as much as, as, much as it could have. I think again, that's a large part due to like the community that I was around, stuff like that. But yeah, that's really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, last big question: What is something you really wish more people understood about you, uh, both as just a person and as part of your experience as an athlete? Okay. Hmm. I think. Um, I just want people to know that that me and I was like almost every other trans athlete, and I mean every other athlete, almost all like like trans athletes, that we only want to play sports to play sports, right? Like we're not there to cheat, or we're not there to take um, medals from other girls or something like that. Like we're literally there. To be on a sports team with our peers, be really with our best friends, right? Be able to run track um, with my friend that's in my math class, right? Like just to be in community with our friends, with our peers, and not have to feel like spend the school day with them, and then feel like oh I have to go home and wa- but then watch my friends go to the um, go to track practice, but oh I can't do that because I'm because people will label me as a cheater, people will label me as you know. Um, as having like these advantages, right? Like just to emphasize the fact that trans youth want to play sports, just to play sports and just to be included with their other friends as any other kid would. And that a freshman in high school, regardless if you're a freshman or like whatever grade you're in, like 
my thought isn't to oh I'm gonna run trap to cheat like you know, like who like you know what I mean like who like what yeah. trans get things like that like I genuinely want to run track because I like the sport and I want to do it in high school period and playing and I feel really all there is to it and I feel like a lot of the conversation around trans athletes especially in like legislation and um and in like more I guess like higher spaces or spaces where like rules are made that the conversation is really focused on like the advantage, right? Or advantage and like our biology, but when like the real point, like the real point of the conversation needs to be our like the deep mental health and trans youth, just like how we just want to play sports. Like I feel like it isn't like there's nothing more to it than these kids wanting to play sports with other kids. Yeah. And I, I hope well, people and- would like understand that more. So, yeah. Yeah, I really hope they would do. Um, well, and coming at that from the the educator old person side of things, <laughs> uh, the like the competition. I, I so much of it just gets caught up in the competition part, right? Mm. Of people being like, "Oh, this is an unfair advantage," and I and we I de- first of all, just fuck you. Second of all, <laughs> uh. That's not why kiddos do sports. You're doing yeah. it for fun and to grow. And our job as adults shouldn't be trying to exclude anyone from this opportunity to grow up to be this like amazing young woman who isn't afraid to like travel the globe and is killing it at <laughs> school and like getting involved with diversity efforts and just being a real like shining star. So, Thank you. uh, yeah. Thank you no, for. But... Oh no, go. Um, no, but I definitely agree because I mean, again, like I said before, there are a lot of life life lessons that I've learned, as so many youth learn through sports, and to have people who I, mean, I don't even know people like all the way up, 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 and have such high levels of policy to take that away from me just because something that like I can't control because of how I identify. Right, that's not fair to us. That's definitely not fair to the other to you, who literally just want to play sports. And now they, and now, because you took, because you took sport away from us, now we can't learn those life lessons, right? Or now, we have to find, I guess, I guess other ways to learn them when we could just done so by playing sport. Yeah. 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 Uh. Do you is social media a thing you valued? Where where can people uh, find you online? Yeah. Is that is that a thing you want oh, people to do? Yeah. yeah. Um so on Instagram, it's just my name, like Andre Yearwood in one I guess word. Um and then on Twitter, I guess it would be Andrea and then Y E A R W A on Twitter. And that's Andrea yeah. spelled A N D R A Y A. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's about it. Great. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? You are a, a child, so you're generally <laughs> less uh, bound by capitalism to plug things. But mm-hmm. anything you want to just like shout out really quick? Uh, um, I guess. No, go ahead. Or I guess like you're not a child. You're like twenty, 21. <laughs> twenty-one. Yeah, no, you're. 
So you are you're an adult, but as a professor, <laughs> it's like you are a, you are a child. Yeah. Um, In like five years, you'll be like, I was a child, but adult. <laughs> um. No, I agree, but I don't. Know, I think it's really like having like the trans youth, like having their how do I put this. Like, just having their wants and needs at the forefront of this conversation. And, again, like, not just focusing on, like, the biolog- like biological aspect or, like, the cheap, the competition aspect. But what do kids and youth get out of sport? I think that's probably the main thing that I'd want to, like, pinpoint. Oh, yeah. Love that. Uh, well, thank you so much, Andrea, for being my guest this week. I'm really <laughs> excited about this series. And... Uh, Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to MVT, a totally trans podcast about our most valuable teammates. I am Ada Rhodes Short. Find me on Twitter at the Ada Rhodes. That is the underscore A-D-A underscore R-H-O-D-E-S. Make sure to listen to all of the Totally Trans Network's new shows, including Henry's Totally Trans mini episodes, Katie's new season of Our Sacred History, and Jack's solo journey through the multiverse on transmissions from another Earth origin stories. All Totally Trans shows are supported by our Patreon that can be found at patreon.com backslash totallytrans. Backs at $5 or more. You can access the Discord server um, to chat with us about episodes as they come out. And we're also going to be playing Jackbox, Jackbox games, Jackbox games on there. So come do that. And if you back us on $3 or more, you can watch us do that. Also, there's other benefits uh, to that. So please do that um, because we need money to make shows. Please subscribe to Totally Trans where you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode and re-interview us on Apple Podcasts because podcasting is a competitive sport and I want to win it. Our theme music is a remix of Crawling Towards the Goal by Lemon Music Studio from Pixabay. Until next week, have fun and play fair. There's no crying in baseball! Just play for any side. Big Time Block by Brittany Griner. What a goal by Rapinos! You've got to be kidding me! On her knees in the 5-6 hole. I'm Maggie. Maggie Mayhem. I'm Bliss. But I could change that. Yeah, you'll have to change that.